using the cereal at the moment? Oh, no. I got a. I um, haven't gotten into the second series yet. Just started the second series. Oh, so, I've, I've listened really to the good. first two oh. episodes of the second. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much what I'm I got a text from my fiancé just saying, Cereal! <laughs> forgetting to watch the series. Yeah. Listen, listen, Because it's yeah. turned into a group activity for us. Oh, right. a series. Yeah, same, same. Yeah. same. My wife is... um illustrating and i'm normally doing some work and we're listening and yeah then we have and then you can discuss and, after yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah we've been I, saving it exclusively for like trips like car trips and stuff yeah. like that yeah but then we just haven't been going any trips lately so yeah. we're behind in cereal i listened to the second half of the first season whilst i was slashing we have a farm right and so right. i was slashing the paddock on a big tractor <laughs> <laughs> it's a really boring that's a job really to good. Do. That's what I, I I ran so much in that first yeah. season of cereal because I was like I, I just got to go for a run. Yeah. Welcome to episode 31 of Australian Design Radio to provide Australia and the world with conversations and commentary on Australian design. I'm Flynn Tracy and as always with me is Mr. Matt Leach. Hello. You weren't sure then, were you? I wasn't sure who you, you were. You forgot my name. It's been a while. That's horrible. <laughs> I don't care who you are. You can tell everybody who you are. <laughs> this guy. So today, uh, hi, how are you? Good, thank you. We have Jess Haddad. We're here with us from Joseph Mark in Brisbane. Hello, Jess. Hi. Nice <laughs> to meet you guys. Thanks for coming. You're welcome. She came all the way from LA, actually. Just for this. Just for this. I'll have you know. The ADR budget is (laughs) really coming in handy. So, just for anyone who doesn't know, like, I think everyone knows who Joseph Mark is at the moment. It's very hot topic um, because you guys are having some big wins, which is is great to see. JM to the locals, I was told by Brisbane Cider, though. Do we call them Brisbane Ciders? Uh, Brisbaneites. Brisbaneites. So, Brisbaneite informed me they didn't know Joseph Mark and they were like, oh, you mean JM? And I was like, <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> That's right. funny. But uh, look, they started in 2004 in Brisbane. They're now in Sydney and LA. Mm-hmm. Um, all sorts of things like, well, Breeder, who we all know is an amazing digital agency, was came out of Joseph Mark, didn't it? Yeah. When yeah, they that? did. And- so, we are... We first introduced motion graphics into the studio in about 2008, 2009, and then pretty quickly started up Breeder um, as its own entity and own brand with dedicated team because we found that, yeah, allowing them to to work under their own identity and and go for work um, specifically in motion graphics and post-production was was far better than confusing things with the overall JM. Yeah, see, that's interesting because that's that harkens back to something Vince Frost talks about quite a lot in the sense of you need to let them have their own wings, mm. in a, essentially, and then and then work when you work together on a project, it's so much stronger because each has their kind of expertise, yeah, expertise and standing yeah. point of where, where what they're coming from. Yeah, and so they still we we operate out of the same space, and we're very much one family. But. That's cool. Two brands. Now, the other thing with JM is that you you don't really call yourself a design agency, do you? you no. I quite often see the, the kind of idea of like a design ventures company. Is that? Yeah, yeah. So, firstly, I just don't really like the word agency and I've always tried to call ourselves a studio. So, it's a dirty instead. word, is it? Um, it's just, for me, I just really want to hang on to this whole idea of working studio right? rather than agency that kind of has layers 
might just be an old um, framework in my head. But then I guess over the last couple of years, as we have been doing more ventures um, and as we're positioning ourselves not only as uh, like a fee-for-service consultancy, but also, um, yeah, a ventures lab, if you like, then design ventures practice seemed to encompass all that we were doing on that spectrum. Mm. I mean, you, that's, I'm really interested in how that works because some of the stuff that has come out of the studio, the practice, has uh, is, is been amazing. I mean, we, we were just, before we went on air, we were obviously talking about where you hunted, yeah. um, which you guys started up, um, which was then bought by Twitter. Mm. Um, how, how does it all work? Because do you, cause it feels like you kind of start it and then it then it takes a life of its own, and yeah. that can't be just because there's what twenty five people in just yeah. can't be just you guys doing <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. We don't sleep very much. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, really, we are hunted. Was the first venture outside of other studio, uh, other service based ventures. So Breeder being one of them, mm-hmm. as well as a company called Native Digital, um, as well as an Indigenous design studio called Kalimba, which is also based in Brisbane. So, we'd done a few other service-based businesses and then Hunted was the first digital product. And really, that that worked because we also had a partnership with the What News team, who were the developers on the project. And then Graham Wood had invested in the company. So, we had we had enough backing to actually treat it like a separate business and focus on it, which was mm-hmm. great. And that's, you know, I think that is what you need to ultimately succeed with any of these ventures. But we can get a good part of the way within the studio, at least to a point of validating the concept and knowing whether we should then go out and find funding or invest more from the studio or whatever the case may be. Do you find having like the LA, having a, having a, sort of physical space in in the states mm. helps with that sort of thing like that sort of relationship yeah it's definitely helped um in terms of building relationships with either potential clients or yeah. potential backers or um just people that can lead to other opportunities or partnerships mm. that may be applicable to to a project yeah, because yeah. Yeah, sometimes it feels like we're all the way over here in little Australia yeah. and everybody else is all the way over there innovating. Yeah. And that connection can sometimes be quite difficult for yeah. people to kind of get across. Like, is that the reason for having an LA branch? Or, or maybe yeah. maybe I'll take all that back and say, why LA? <laughs> <laughs> uh, why LA? We, with MySpace, so we, we won MySpace in 2011 mm. and we then spent the next two years traveling back and forth pretty much every other month right? Uh, to be there physically with that team, um, which was absolutely required to make that project a success. And... Over that time, we met a a lot of other people and we started to build a name for ourselves in the US and that led to a lot more work coming from the States and I would say at least half of our work is now US-based, even though the majority of our team is still in Australia. Okay. Um, And so, the need to have some kind of base there was was really driven by the relationships that we were starting to build there because it is... It can be uncomfortable for people to think that we're all the way over here and mm. not just a call away, even though we effectively are. We're asleep, are, really. right, yeah. when, when they want to get stuff um, done. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then the decision for deciding on LA 
as mm. opposed to San Francisco or New York um, was really because it's just one flight away. It's only 14 hours from Brisbane. Um, it's a relatively easy flight. The time zone is quite complimentary. Brisbane comes online at about 1 or 2 p.m. Right. in L.A., so you get a nice natural half-day crossover. And mm-hmm. It makes it really easy to work and to actually maximize the, the work getting done overnight but mm. still have some natural crossover for communication. Yeah, because I've heard of that. Um, we, we spoke just a little bit before we came on about the idea of being 24-7 yeah. kind of studio, not agency. I may have said, we may have said agency. I won't say yeah. that again. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyone I've spoken to that kind of had that romantic fairy tale idea has said it hasn't quite work, yeah. worked out. I am comforted to hear that. that yeah. The people have said it hasn't worked <laughs> yeah. because I felt like a massive failure when that didn't work. Apparently, it just doesn't happen for whatever reason. Yeah. Well, we um, so I lived in New York back in 2012 for about 10 months and the, the initial reason for going over was we had a number of opportunities through We Are Hunted to work with a number of music brands like MTV and eMusic and Spotify. And at the same time, we were also looking at what the next steps were for We Are Hunted, and that's when we also began conversations with Twitter. So as part of that, I I had the dream to open a studio in New York. That that obviously didn't happen. We ended up in LA, but the major reason was just that I was up till 3 a.m. pretty much every night, and the communication was, was quite tricky. Um, I think we spoke about this earlier as well. We didn't quite have Slack then, which right. has made our kind of multi-time zone communication a lot easier, especially to catch up on what conversations happening whilst you are asleep. Mm. It's just uh, Slack. Still, I'm still mind blown by that because it's so simple. It's so simple, mm. and we have email, but we've all got like our emails just so out of control now. I think everyone's emails mm. out of control. Yeah. That uh, Slack is now like a great shining, like da-da, it actually fixes. And it, and, and I, I believe it because it's fixed us. Yeah. Like we, I work with Melbourne a lot and we were always slightly behind them or they were slightly behind us and, and on whatever project. Mm. And now it's like, oh, we're all on, we're all talking. Everyone's yeah. talking about like, oh, the communication is excellent at the moment. Yeah. But I think the key to it is the transparency mm. because – I think to have the discipline to summarize everything and then purposely go and email the people who you think need to know mm. is where we like we get let down with right. with email or even Skype in the past. Whereas if it's just a channel you can pop into and then eject yourself out of again mm-hmm. if you no longer need to know. It's just I think it's a much more natural mm. and transparent way of communicating. But you're right, it's not. It's not new technology. Yeah. It's just an, a new way of experiencing it. Well, it's just an iteration of stuff that's existed for so long. Yeah, like, well, it's, it's basically like Basecamp. Ev- well, right, even yeah. before that, I feel like it's original instant messaging. Right, yeah. So, we should thank ICQ, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Ch- changing our lives. So, yeah. I want to I jump right back and, and talk about you. Mm-hmm. And so, you... You finished um, Sunshine Coast. Sunshine Coast in yeah. 2005, yeah? Yeah. And you went straight to Joseph Mark then? I did, yeah. And what, what was that like then? That was like your first job. Yeah, yeah. So I'd, um, I'd had little bits and pieces of work experience. So it wasn't, I'd seen what a design studio kind of looked like and mm. how it operated. Uh, and then I was actually recommended to to Ben and Josh, the co-founders, uh, by the senior designer at the place that I'd spent my last year of uni doing work experience. 
what got me about them was they used to send this newsletter out called The 26th and I just really liked their tone of voice and mm. what they wrote about um, and how, yeah, how they looked. Um, but I was really nervous about the fact that they were quite young. I was only 20 at the time and Ben was 22 and Josh was 24, I think. And, yeah, I was concerned that, you know, my first job going in with these two guys that may or may not know what they were doing <laughs> would be a good, <laughs> good thing or not. I did have aspirations to have my own studio, so I thought it would be a good opportunity to learn the ropes on their, you know, kind of on their time. Yeah. Mm. But I never expected to actually get as as involved or committed yeah. as I did. Absolutely. So, so yeah. have you been there for, for 10 years then? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Cool. It's a and, long time. And you're the director now. I'm the director now. So tell us what a director does. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a title you give yourself when <laughs> yeah, you don't know what yeah. title to give yourself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kind of do a bit of everything. <laughs> it's, nice, it's a nice title that kind of just covers everything, covers everything <laughs> doesn't it? Yeah. Um, I'll tell you that I don't get to design as much as I'd like mm-hmm. anymore. Um, that's probably the one downside. For, for how big we've grown and, yeah, and my role now. Uh, I was creative director for a long time and over the last couple of years, uh, Alex Nagavi has taken on that role and is incredible and doing an amazing job. So that means that now I focus more on the business overall. So it's really everything from how we maintain our brand through to what we actually do and what services we offer mm-hmm. our clients and what ventures we decide to work on through to yeah overall business development being across things from an owner's perspective in terms of overall profitability and um, yeah where we want to invest next mm-hmm. but yeah probably the least the least amount of the pie is actually getting to design these days. So working for the one company yeah. for, for 10 years, yeah. like almost straight after graduating. Yeah. Did they teach you at Sunshine Coast like how to invest in businesses and all these kind of business skills? Like where do you pick that sort of stuff up? up no, um, I did. I did do a, a minor in business marketing. <laughs> okay. So cool. I had like a little bit of a bit of a touch on the business department. But I guess this is the kind of stuff that you just you pick up as you're going along, right. really. Uh, neither Ben nor I have had formal training in business. It's really been – although, sorry, I should say, we did do a course called Edgeware, which mm. was sort of a spin-out of a group called Chaos Pilots, which is based okay. out of Denmark. I don't know right. if you guys have heard of them before, but no. it's an alternate business school education uh, Michael and Ludmilla Donovan brought it to Australia in their own way and kind of based it out of out of QUT uh, right. in Brisbane. So I did do that short course actually, and that's that's what Ben and Josh did when they were first starting up okay. JM as well. So I, I lie, we've had a little bit of business <laughs> education, a little, a little bit of credit for that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. But um, my mum's a bookkeeper. My dad has always been in sales. Okay. Um, my uncle is. Uh, is a very successful businessman, so I think it you helps. also you also get it through those means mm. as well. The other thing that really strikes me about Joseph Mark is that you seem to really um, give time to personal projects as mm. well. Is that a, a conscious thing, or is that just the sort of people you're employing? I think for first and foremost, it's been a necessity. I think it's been something that both Ben and I and Josh originally are all predispositioned or predisposed to rather 
And so, you know, even in my first year at JM, we came up with this idea for Meet, which was um, which was kind of like creative mornings, actually. Oh, so yeah. it was this idea where you'd get together with 10 other creative people from other disciplines and go and have breakfast together once a month. And then we'd mix up the groups each month and then have beers maybe once a quarter. And, at breakfast. You know, yeah. <laughs> or at breakfast. Breakfast beers. Yeah. No, bre- beers, and beers at night on a Friday night. A meeting about productivity yeah. by having beer in the yeah. morning. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty yeah. typical in Brisbane. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we roll. Um, yeah. And so just from, from, yeah, my first year there, we've always come up with ideas and never been – there's never been a barrier to just having a go mm. at making them happen. Is it built into the structure in the sense of like Google's 20% time or? No, it's not that structured. Mm-hmm. And maybe it should be. We've talked about maybe whether it should be or not. Because I, I, are- I think it's interesting the amount of stuff that comes out of you guys. Like, yeah. I mean, if I can jump into Vest, for example, mm. which literally launched a week ago, two weeks ago, ago yeah. yeah, which is an amazing platform, which basically highlights <laughs> um, all Australian kind of startups, I guess. Yeah, interesting Australian startups. I was so surprised. I so many that I I sort of had seen that I just assumed weren't Australian. Yeah, um, that I was really mm-hmm. like, oh wow, they're on there, they're on there. So you know that, and that just seemed to come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know that's that's one of many things that seemed to come out of Joseph Marker. Yeah. We, um, I mean, that was an idea that we came up with in December because we were thinking about. Oh, um, like last December? Yeah. Like the other day? Yeah. Right. Should we do that? Yeah, <laughs> so, no one, so, everyone worked over Christmas or what happened here? No, no. We all got two weeks off. But um, that was, it was an idea. We thought it was a good one. We had a little bit of spare studio capacity and we just thought, why not? try and get it done by the end of the first month of 2016 that was the goal and you know that means that you need to cull back what your overall aspirations for it are potentially Mm. um and see what you can get done and i think always having those pressure points or deadlines on something always Mm. make you do a bit more than what you thought you could yeah and yeah it's just about committing to it having a go seeing whether it works or not not investing too much time up front in case it doesn't and yeah then gauging the response and I think the response so far has been great so it's now something that we need to look at from an operational perspective and and whether it needs any funding ongoingly mm-hmm. to to map out what we do going forward but we always want to validate the idea first before committing too much. Having a look on there, I noticed a few of Joseph Mark products on there yeah. as well. Obviously, Hash is there, yep. um, Undertone. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's, I guess it's a good kind of platform for you to sort of show everyone else what you guys are doing. Yeah, so. definitely. And and to see what our peers are doing. Mm. And um, I think just overall to celebrate Australian startup mm. culture and what's going on because, mm. you know, we we are pretty isolated from the rest of the world. I think Australian startups do have a belief that they need to go to Silicon Valley or yeah. at least the States to, to gain any amount of traction and visibility. And absolutely the investor the investor market over there is a lot more mature and a lot more willing to give give things a go. And in Australia, in our experience, we've found that it's a lot harder 
to um to even get that initial seed funding if you're not well connected. So yeah, it's to try and it's to try and raise awareness that there is some really great things coming out of Australia and and as as the innovation policy that was announced towards the end of last oh, yeah. year gains yeah. you know gains more attention and and people with money that they want to invest feel that you know that's something they want to do then we want to be the place for them to be able to come and see what's out there. Mm. Yeah, we wanted to talk a little bit about that as well. Does that does that change things? That kind of news coming through? Um, I think you know, I think it's very encouraging for a business mm. like ours, and certainly um, investors that we do have in current ventures from Australia feel the same way. I think it's you know it's a push in the right direction, mm-hmm. and it does make it easier to have the conversations. It's going to be interesting to see what really does transpire. Yeah. Um, so proof will, proof will be in the pudding, now. I suppose. Yeah, a bit later exactly. Down the track. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's there's obviously danger for for it to become just every man and his dog yeah. starting something. And that's the other reason for Vest really is that we want it to become uh, a good quality destination. Mm. So it's like a cur- curated kind of list there yeah. as well. It's not just anybody. Exactly. Anything. Yeah. yeah. Have you got anything you're liking on Vest at the moment? Um, so there's a startup called Fifty Six, which is uh, how does he phrase it? It's build your own tablets. Oh so yeah, I saw that one. It's kind of like computer Lego. Yeah. And the CEO is a sixteen-year-old, oh, and wow. he's finishing year twelve at the same time as I think he said he's got about fifty employees. <laughs> Um, and so I just well, think I that's yeah, it's pretty rad. We um we met with him a few weeks ago. Actually, he came into the studio. He's from Brisbane, and I think about halfway through the conversation, Ben was Ben was like, um, "I think you need to give a presentation to the team. Do you mind?" <laughs> and so he did, and he was fantastic. It blows my mind that you know he had such confidence to speak yeah. in front of everyone, and that he's doing this. But, um, but the feedback from the team afterwards was like, what am I doing with my life? Yeah. <laughs> so, is it, yeah. But it's inspiring. It's great. Yeah. You know, it's great that he's giving it a go and, yeah, running a successful business. That's a good one to check out. Cool. So, I first heard of Joseph Mark from the MySpace okay. launch, which yeah. I think, mm. I guess, if you hadn't heard of JM before then, that's probably where I would guess that other people, I think yep. it was you as well, Matt. Definitely, yeah. yeah um, popped up and- you know, been on the radar ever since. Mm. Um, but, you know, we, we would be remiss if we didn't ask you for that experience. What what happened there? How did that all come together? Just hanging out in New York. Yeah, with, just with Justin, JT. You know, running to JT. <laughs> uh, well, so we actually, we designed the and built the first iPad app for MySpace back in uh, 2010. Right. Which was, I'm pretty sure that was through the work we'd done on We Are Hunted um, that that connection came about. And I guess when when JT and Specific Media bought MySpace, we were still on the supplier list. And so when they sent out the RFP to redesign the site, we, we got the invite and they invited five agencies, studios <laughs> from um, from around the world, although the other four were all in the US. So, we then responded to that RFP. We don't, it's not something that we always do. I'm not sure. Personally, I don't, uh, 
I don't necessarily support free pitching, mm-hmm, right. um, although they did offer a small fee for us to do some some work on it. We obviously appealed to them, and um, I believe it was JT's um, hand-selected creative team that in particular saw our work and, and wanted us on board. So we then got to meet them pretty quickly and uh, flew over to L.A., and started to, to work out what the arrangement would be and, and brought our vision to them. And um, so how, how that ended up being a two-year start with that? experience. Like, mm-hmm. So MySpace was so big. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, probably for all of us, it was really, really important and then just nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, that's, that's, like, that's, all, that's, a, that's an amazing job, but a horrible job at the same time. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And look, just um, – yeah, I guess just quietly, we we were hoping they would change the name because, right? You know, it th- there was a lot of legacy that yeah. wasn't necessarily going to be positive. So you mean so just change it from a from a branding and public image perspective? So rather than saying "come back to MySpace," say yeah. "why don't you come to Excellent. your something else, your yeah. space, <laughs> our space, my place." Yeah, <laughs> title. So I mean, and there was argument for both sides, you know, like there yeah. also was a lot of um, brand recognition mm-hmm. in the existing name. But mm. I think because the perception had gotten so low, it was always going to be a hard, a hard fight to mm. to pull it back up into relevancy in people's minds. But that launch was massive. Yeah, like everybody signed up. Yeah, I think mm. I don't know if everyone stuck around. Yeah. I didn't, but I remember that launch. Like Twitter was blowing up. Like yeah, everyone was talking about it. Hey, did you? Yeah, did mm. you get get your name? Like, you know, it's a kind of that launch thing, right? right like, try yeah. to get your name now. Yeah. Like, I, you know, back in the day, getting your perfect name for Twitter or something. Yeah. It's like, oh wow, you were one of the early one of adopters. the early adopters. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the Maven, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, in terms of our pitch to them, we always felt that the strong point in MySpace was the music community, and mm. and then more broadly the artist community, and. That seemed to be where their their heads were at as well. So it was pretty, not without you know, not without definitely difficult times of trying to uh, get your point across and and mm. sell things internally and and get the whole team on board because there were there were also a lot of legacy employees that were still part of the team right. that you oh, know okay. had their own ideas about what MySpace was and so legacy that was, people from MySpace yeah okay so that was definitely an interesting thing to negotiate and navigate because um, correct me if I'm wrong like the, the major competitor when it originally was kind of Facebook I guess that kind of social yeah I mean I think Friendster Friendster right, was the yeah. original competitor yeah. and I I'm pretty sure one or some people from Friendster actually then started MySpace. Right. Um, and then, yeah, Facebook quickly became a rival. But now its competitor is, it's kind of, it doesn't have those as competitors anymore. It's kind of almost like it's what, Bandcamp or that, that kind of, it's become yeah. much more of the kind of. Yeah, because it is much more like creative and music mm. artist focused. Yeah. Mm. It's really, it's really interesting that it just, yeah, that you can keep the name but swap Kind of the target market, I guess, and yeah. in, a, in a major way. Yeah. Wouldn't be um, any, many other brands that you could say that had that. That managed to pull that off. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you heard, but um, Time, Time Inc. just acquired, well, they acquired the mother company, so Viant, which right. owns MySpace. So, Time as in the magazine, Time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Cool. yeah. Wow. So, it'll be interesting to see. What they do. What they do there. Mm. 
We were talking about the brand a moment ago. Mm. And so, did, did you guys have anything to do with the, the branding of it, with the My Space? No. So, that was actually, that was pre-us. Right. Okay, yeah. cool. So, love you love that? Yeah. yeah it was pretty <laughs> and cool. And they took it away. Yeah, they it did. Great. Yeah, okay. it had um yeah it had very mixed feelings internally, but we mm. our our job wasn't so much branding on this yeah. one. We didn't yeah. really have much way weigh in on the but overall. I think, I think there were some times where you played with it quite a bit as well. I think it expanded and contracted. Yeah, somewhere. I can't remember. It definitely where, had but. some pretty amazing applications. That yeah. whole concept. But, See, um, it's when a good we brand, you can just apply it to all sorts of different touch points. <laughs> yeah, but we we were much more focused on the UI UX. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask about um, Seven with another, which yeah. I know was your brainchild and baby, and mm-hmm. and can t- give, give us the bio of what, of what it is because sure. when I've spoken to people, they've said different things. Oh, I'm intrigued to hear what they're saying. Yeah, well, I mean, basically, it's an exhibition, isn't it? Where, yeah. So, and you're and you're getting. Uh, 14 people together mm-hmm. um, in groups of two mm-hmm. um, and they basically work on a piece of art together. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. And so, the idea is that they're from all different creative disciplines. Right, okay. Um, and then we purposely try and put together people that wouldn't usually work together for any reason um, to kind of create a little bit of tension in what people are used to and kind of get them out of their comfort what's, zones. What's an example of that? Um, so, we put together a choreographer with a uh, motion designer. Oh, wow. And we put together um, – I'm trying to think. We put together, um, I guess, just a maker with a photographer. So, yeah, just trying to expose them to very different ways of working mm. and approaching a problem. We put together a product designer with a – with an animator. There's been seven exhibitions, is that right? There has been, And yeah. a retrospective as well at And a retrospective, House. yeah. Are you so, going to do any more? We're on hiatus at the moment <laughs> because my, my partner in Seven with Another has had two babies since the last exhibition. Wow. And I've just been really busy traveling yeah. back and forth to the States and, and generally um, running JM. But we haven't, we haven't killed it. And we both would love to see it uh, evolve either into something else that's maybe not as time-consuming on our part or some some way that we could scale the model. Because mm. um, it's a great concept. And when, when I was talking before, other people would give me other kind of versions. And yeah. know, one, one said it's kind of like a, a think lab where yeah. they, they experiment with different types of art. And, yeah. and it's just it has lots of kind of applications about how it could grow. And, yeah. and you think about it like if it, outside of Australia, you know, what, what – you That's know, right. Could you do you could cross-country collaboration yeah. or, yeah, could you have simultaneous things going on in different places or – yeah, I'm personally pretty passionate about collaboration and also just pushing things that don't usually go together together. Um, and I think when when Monique and I first came up with the concept, it was because so she's another graphic designer and we just wanted to do something together because we hadn't had a chance to work together yet. And we decided we wanted to learn how to print with letterpress and that we wanted to create a poster and so we then had to kind of reverse brief Mm. what we actually wanted to create the poster about and that's where the idea for seven with another came about because we were thinking well what what would we actually 
want to attend as an event or mm. yeah it's such a funny way to come so, up with this huge time time consuming project yeah. <laughs> it was just supposed to be a poster yeah <laughs> you could so, have just done a poster and been done with it ikea frame put yeah. it up you're all set exactly. but it's turned into this, this whole so, thing. but i think that's you know a longer term vision that i have i guess is more along the lines of this ideation think tank or creative think tank and mm. i'm passionate about the idea of um of putting people together from different from different walks of life and with different experiences to try and tackle big problems that's yeah that's what mm. i'd like to be doing in future and i guess i'm slowly shaping jm and other things in my life towards so jm will eventually just become seven with another <laughs> <laughs> i don't know we'll see we'll see <laughs> A lot of people probably know you from TEDx <laughs> South Bank Maybe. video. That's definitely how I got exposed to you, I guess. Oh, interesting. Um, you're right if I, about halfway through, there's a slide you show. Yep. It says, <laughs> slept with the boss. Yeah. That was, I mean, the talk was so raw, I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, you started off talking uh a little bit about your upbringing, some of the decisions you'd made, and and then it, and I was like, well, that's you know, that's and it was obviously quite emotional for you because you were quite nervous about being up there. I think mm. that the talk was actually called "Comfortable with the Uncomfortable," mm. um, and then halfway through, it kind of went really even deeper, <laughs> <laughs> and just yeah. you, t- you talked about how you joined Joseph Mark. Fell in love, obviously. Yeah. Um, and but what that did to the people around you, yeah, and, and how they reacted to it, and how it forced you to react, and yeah. Can you talk more about that? Because that was pretty brave. Yeah, it's kind of. Um, I think in hindsight, it was quite cathartic, and you know, when I first got asked to talk at TEDx, um, I'm pretty sure the organizer thought that I would talk more about my career or, you know, the industry that I'm working in Mm. and my opinions there. Um, But I guess as I was trying to, to think about that and what I, what I actually wanted to share, uh, I don't know, it just, it made more sense to talk about how I got to this point in time. Mm. Um, And I think, I don't know. In terms of it being raw, I probably couldn't have done it any other way because I I actually do really hate public speaking even though I do a lot of it now and maybe that's the point is to keep trying to do things that that you don't find easy mm. because that's how you grow and yeah. I think as soon as you stop pushing yourself then you do get comfortable and you almost regress. And I was thinking about aging and how you get to this point in your life where you do just kind of want everything to be familiar. And, yeah. um, you know, at the time my, my grandfather was getting sick and I think, you know, I was reflecting on, on who he'd been throughout my life and, and other people that were, um, that were getting older and kind of changing and, um, yeah, I think that's kind of how it came about. But as well, that year had been the year that I had lived in New York and it was this big kind of milestone in my life because 
it was a dream to to go there and live there and and the aim was to start a second office there and that hadn't worked out for a number of reasons and so i think when the speech kindly finally came about i was just in the throes of all of this yeah. stuff and all of this contemplation about what had happened and reflection on what had happened and yeah. what the next moves were so it was just yeah it just came out really <laughs> it's great though um, I mean, so, so many people would have just crafted a kind of like you know a, yeah. almost a brand piece or but it just it yeah. really felt i think i just also prefer that kind of um that kind of communication um and yeah anybody at jm would say I quite I cry quite frequently um, in the studio if I feel particularly passionate about something or if something hits me. So I, I kind like of just during during work, just like during just work, in- just break down. No, <laughs> it's it's a tactic. But yeah, <laughs> I kind of wear my heart on my sleeve a bit, I guess. And, That's great. Um, mm-hmm. I think that there's, I think there's a lot of strength in, uh, yeah, being vulnerable in that way and. Before we started, you talked about vulnerability and how mm. how important that is. Can you talk more about about that, and particularly in the in the creative field? Yeah, I, I mean, I think being a designer, whenever you put something out there, whether it's to show your colleagues or to show a client or to launch something into the world, you're. I really feel like when you make something, um, you're giving a piece of yourself to that, and I think any anyone in a creative discipline um, ends up growing quite a, quite a thick skin because you are opening yourself up to criticism. It's such a subjective industry to be in and people are going to have all different opinions on mm. what you put out there. Um, so I think in that sense you have to be – you have to be vulnerable – to put your best stuff out there or even maybe it's not even your best stuff but just to get stuff out there to actually to actually progress and that just made me think of a, a recent um, saying that I'd heard of which is, you know, rather than practice makes perfect, it's practice that makes progression and mm. maybe progress mm. is much better than perfectionism mm-hmm. because – yeah. Progress is actually what keeps us moving rather than putting something in a glass box on display. The problem with perfection is that when you don't achieve it, you feel bad. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Then you've had a bad time. Yeah. If you're doing that over and over again, you can get pretty depressed. That's right. I think. So, And it can be a great driver. Yeah. But then, yeah, I think you also need to keep in mind that it's about getting to the next point. Maybe sometimes that's not forward Mm. and it doesn't need to be. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's getting quite philosophical. It's, 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 it's how we how we roll here. In yeah. Media. So, I don't know if I actually answered your question in terms of vulnerability, though. I think it's also so. The other thing that was happening at the time was um, obviously there's been a lot of a lot of talk. I think particularly over the last few years in terms of women and their place in society and. Um, how women think of themselves and whether they put themselves forward and what role they take on and how different we are naturally from men. And I think 
I see vulnerability as, yeah, a strong trait in women, not exclusively women, but mm. I think it's something that's more associated with mm. with women and sometimes is criticised of women in leadership positions or um, in positions of power. And I think I also wanted to kind of challenge that mm. notion. I think, I mean, it all goes back to the, the name of your talk, sort of, you know, being comfortable with the uncomfortable, being comfortable yeah. with vulnerability, yeah. um, getting getting used to that kind of, yeah, wearing your heart on your sleeve. It's, I always remember, uh, I can't remember, I think it was Picasso talked about the scariest thing is that blank canvas. Yeah. And then, um, but the more he puts something onto a canvas, the less scared he becomes. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah. Now, and and you know it's well well worth seeing the talk because you bring up some really other some great points. Uh, being proactive, um, lowering expectations, which I thought was really interesting. Mm. Just this idea of, um, and I'm always reminded of my wife's grandmother, who was like, "I try not to have high expectations because I'm always let down." Was, yeah. was her saying, right. and it's that kind of like if if you manage your expectations, then exactly what you just said before. It's like you you don't get depressed about not meeting perfection. Yeah. You mm. you actually like it's just part of the process, part of the journey. Mm. So And I think it's I think that's something you also need to balance. And it's whatever it's whatever inspires you or helps you pro- progress. But you know, I think I I do have perfectionist traits. Um right. and I do naturally have high expectations, so that was also me trying to say to myself, <laughs> lower your expectations. <laughs> but in a weird way, maybe you have to have both. Like maybe you have to keep keep both in check so that you're not just um, – you don't just stay content because mm. there needs to be a challenge there. And that's that's actually something thinking all the way back to when I started at JM and my first impressions of – of Josh and Ben and what I remember them saying about why they even started JM in the first place. And for them it was all about freedom and a work-life balance. And then the philosophy around that was to, to always challenge the status quo. Mm. So, And then you became really successful in <laughs> Los Angeles. And- <laughs> I don't know. I think success – yeah, success is something I don't really want to – I never want to think that we are, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, you don't want to rest on you. I don't want to rest on that laurel. Mm. I, don't, I don't know that um, – yeah, I think success is very different to, to all different people. And, mm. Very true. Yeah. Um, we're probably getting towards the end, but sure. we had a couple of questions kind of over the holidays a little bit more about like advice mm-hmm. for kind of aspiring people coming through. So, yeah. we just thought we'd see if you have any, just putting you on the spot, um, <laughs> yeah, do you have any kind of this. like general creative advice for people that haven't haven't found their Joseph Mark yet? Mm, I'm trying to think of, I don't want to be cliche. You can be a little cliche. <laughs> it might not be cliche to them. Yeah, the quest- I mean, the question's pretty cliche. So, <laughs> <laughs> questions about as cliche as you can get. Just I mean, general advice. <laughs> it totally it does sound cliche, but I think um, I do believe that it's about having the right attitude towards 
what you're doing. So I think if you're not if you're not totally passionate and dedicated to this to this vocation, I think it is. I don't think it's an occupation. I think it has to be more than that if you're really gonna yeah. succeed. Yeah. Um if you don't have that, I don't think you should try and be a designer. Right. You know, when I think about all of the designers that we've hired and the designers that I admire, it's because they they genuinely care about the work that they're doing and they're passionate about and they believe that what they're bringing to the world is is to, is to better it in some way and is to create something meaningful. And I think if you're just doing this because, you know, maybe it's in fashion right now or maybe it's something you enjoy or find easy, then I think there's a lot of roadblocks to actually succeed and to actually find immense satisfaction in it because you are in an industry that, that yeah, is subjective and that you need to, yeah, I think you need to have a connection to what you're doing that's greater than um, people's feedback on it or it's, it's interesting where you end up working. With students. It's a bit rambly, sorry. No, no, it's, it's really good. It just it brought in mind I had, you know, students often have this, this moment where they come in with a particular thing in their heads mm. And then towards the end of the course, maybe halfway through, it's almost like they lose that mm. and then they have to refine what the hell they're doing or why they're doing it. Yeah. And, and that's almost like it builds that resilience at that point where whether that carries over for like many years mm. afterwards. But yeah. And I wonder whether that's just a, a life a life advice thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like finding purpose in what you're doing, whether it's in this industry or not. Mm. And and actually having to kind of like a relationship having to consciously reevaluate that and yep. and decide whether this is still what you want to do and actively find the purpose behind it mm. yeah um you sort of have to keep working on it don't you like there's the 9 to 5 sort of stuff that you still need to find the find the love whether it's yeah going to conferences or going to an art gallery or yeah reading in Reading newsletters or blogs or listening to ADR. Starting a podcast. <laughs> Isn't that a podcast? Yeah. Yeah. Making people come to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Totally. So, totally. so what about now? So, you're heading back to Brisbane. Yes. I head back to Brisbane tonight and then, well, I'll, I'll bring this up. Then I will head up to my farm this weekend. So, Ben and I have an organic vegetable farm, which is quite, wow. quite different from running – this design it's venture just practice. What I would expect, though. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and so, I guess a big part of why we're doing what we're doing is because we we do want to have some impact on the world in some way. Mm. And a lot of what we do in our consulting work these days is is futures of thinking. So future future of music or future mm. of um, what I'd really love to get into at some point is future of education. Mm. Um, and with the farm, it's really about the future of food and we're really interested in how technology might influence that, already is influencing it, but how it might influence it more going into the future. And and then kind of one thing led to another when we bought this land and um, great. we wanted to start from kind of the the ground up to learn about food production and, 
and what goes into that. So, are you hiring people? This is so up my... <laughs> yeah, wow. This is going to be a separate podcast, I think. <laughs> so, are you hiring people? Yeah, like, we so do. People- we do have a few employees there. Um, but what keeps the wheels on that bus is our parents all took uh, early semi-retirements to to run this farm. No way. Wow. So, yeah. That takes the family business thing to an to yeah, another level. Yeah, it does. You've got a commune. But, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, so they live close by. Wow. Um, my parents recently moved up earlier last year and, yeah, we've kind of fl- flung them together and it all seems to be going well so I far. I half expected and- you to say, no, it's just all drones <laughs> just <laughs> flying forward and backward. Well, this is the thing is, yeah, we can start experimenting with yeah. What, yeah. what the future of, of farming is the, this thought has already production. occurred? You're already starting to think about this stuff? <laughs> we or? thought about it a little. We thought, yeah. yeah, we have a few app ideas as well. And Great. Yeah. And that's, so, a, that's going back to kind of doing doing things in Australia and, and things. That's a, I mean, I know there's farms all over the world, but that's a very Australian thing, isn't mm. it? Like if you can help farmers. Well, yeah, exactly. That's, that's a huge thing. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Well, we'll yeah. wait, await the news <laughs> from the, it's, from it's the really family really, farm. It's I, also a really nice counterbalance. To being yeah. on computers and on planes yeah. a lot yep. of the time. Yeah. I always talked about putting up a fence was so much more enjoyable than doing another logo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's And it's really interesting you're talking about the sort of future thinking mm-hmm. as well. There's a lot of um, literature coming out now about what, what the future might be like, especially now so much is being automated. And, yeah. And a lot of people are talking about that, you know, having a green thumb mm-hmm. is going to be really, really sort of idolized. Mm. In, in the sense that being able to grow food, yeah. which will be our, our major thing that we need with the, with the growing population, yeah. is going to be so much more um, needed than mm. you know many of the jobs that we really look up to now. Mm. So, yeah, I think that's fantastic. Yeah, it's a bit of a plan B, to be completely honest. Mm. You can have director yeah. slash farmer on your Yeah, we Logan. should do. Like, you should, say, you <laughs> should <laughs> do. Yeah, Social pool farmer. <laughs> Harvester. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, see, yeah. that's the, that takes me to Terminator and all sorts of... Oh, really? Uh, that's a bit... Especially because <laughs> we're talking about drones. And- <laughs> <laughs> Drone operator. Yeah. Great. Well, um, that's going to take us to the end. Thank you so much. Cool. Thank you. Thanks it's for coming great. in. And thank you. I mean, you literally go off the plane from LA, and so thank you so much for making the time. Oh, you're yeah. welcome. So, usually what we do at the end is we kind of go around and tell everyone where they can they can find us. So, okay. um, where can people find you? Uh, Twitter, Leechworth. L-E-A-C-H-W-O-R-T-H. What about yourself, Jess? Uh, I am on Twitter as Jess Huddart. Uh, or you can also find me at The Falls Farm on Twitter and Instagram. Falls Thank Farm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Awesome. You can find me at everything at Flynn Tracy. And you can find this episode and more at australiandesignradio.simplecast.fm. And you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at AUS Design Radio. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks. That's it. That's it.